0: This evening we press forward as we look at the book of the Acts of the Apostles, part 6, after our marathon study on the necessity of the development of the divine nature by a person being discipled, which we looked at in um, part 5, as an essential part of Christian discipleship, and before getting involved in Acts for God, we can summarize our study as follows. One. You cannot be or act like Christ unless you possess the nature or mind of Christ. Two, God promised that all those who will be called and chosen for his purpose will have the nature of Christ. Three, God made the provision to make it possible for all those whom he has called to have the divine nature. Four, the divine nature is attained through a combination of abiding in Christ and his word The operation of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer in Christ. And the yielding of the believer in Christ to the operation of the Holy Spirit in his or her life. 5. Having acquired the divine nature, the believer in Christ must learn and put to practice the new life arising therefrom. 6. The divine nature in a believer in Christ, also known as the new man, can only manifest after the old sinful nature of man which was in the believer in Christ also known as the old man or the carnal mind or the flesh has died or been crucified an operation that the believer in Christ must submit to the Holy Spirit for 7. In practical terms the divine nature is expressed and manifested as we interact with other people in our daily living and engage in our everyday activities such as family life work life, church life, etc. Eight, in manifesting the divine nature, there will be challenges along the way. These challenges will come in the form of temptations arising from what people are doing to you. It is expected that having dealt with the old sinful nature along with its passions, affections, and lusts, you will be able to overcome such and manifest the new life in Christ. With the fruit of the Spirit as the indicator of this new life. 9. The divine nature is maintained so long as the believer in Christ remains in Christ and his word and lives and walks in the Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Our text for today, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I take that verse again. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that we have the nature of Christ, we must express that life in every aspect of daily living. As we interact with other people, regardless of their beliefs, skin color, nationality, tribe, tongue, gender, socioeconomic status, political affiliation, etc. This is not something that can be done with human effort. But rather, it is to be done by faith in the Son of God. That is, by totally depending, trusting, and relying on Christ every day of your life. Indeed, the old sinful nature, the natural man, has always failed to express the life of Christ in interactions with others. Hence, the essence of having the divine nature, that is the spiritual man. So we move on to the fourth prong. Remember, we had four prongs. The first prong was teaching. We're talking of discipleship now. Christian discipleship involves, number one, teaching. Number two is that the teacher must show example of what he's teaching. Number three is that you need the divine nature. You need to live like Christ. But before you can do that, you need the divine nature. So, you need to get rid of the old sinful man and have the divine nature. Which is an operation that the Holy Spirit does. So, today we want to move to the fourth prong. Now, when we say something has four prongs, we're talking of something like a fork. It's not as if it's one, two, three, four in order. But all four, you know, when you want to eat meat, you put all the, the entire fork, you don't use one fork and say, let's take this one first. The whole thing, so the whole four must be involved. That's what we're saying. We're not saying that you must do one first, then do two. No, all four. Having developed the divine nature, proper Christian discipleship. Requires that the disciple now live out the life of the new man, which in Christ Jesus has been created in God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is the fourth prong of our four prong approach to Christian discipleship, which must precede the acts. Interestingly, many people want to perform miracles, signs, and wonders when they are unable to manifest the divine nature. In everyday living. We pray that the Holy Spirit will. Help us. To live out this new life. With purpose. And understanding. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's go back to our scripture text. Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. He says. I have been crucified. This is somebody who has already been crucified. We have spoken extensively. Over the last few weeks. The necessity. The essentiality. Of being crucified. Now. Now. Does it mean that there will not be some manifestations of the old man? Maybe so. But it is not. It is something that when, when it even manifests, the hatred that you have for it is enough to let you know that this thing has already gone. Because for you at that point in time, it is stinking, it is smelling. A lot of people in church are yet to be crucified. And so they are touchy on every little thing. We blame everybody except ourselves. That's the old sinful nature. The old sinful nature never takes blame for anything. It's never at all. Everybody else is wrong. Except it. Except him. The old sinful nature will steal and justify stealing. The old sinful nature will commit fornication and justify it. Will commit adultery and justify it. it always seeks to justify the things it does wrong. But once that person has been crucified, justification ceases. In fact, once he does anything that is slightly wrong, it, it bites at him. I think there's a scripture where the Bible talks about how David continually was convicted in his heart. Remember when he caught the skirt of Saul. Nobody was with him, but in his heart he was smitten. That's what we're talking about. Once you do anything wrong, it, it, it strikes at you. The uncrucified man, when his heart smites him that he caught the skirt of Saul, would we say, well, he deserves it. Afterwards, he's been pursuing me since. That's what it does. It seeks to justify its actions. But here we're talking of somebody who has said, "I have been crucified with Christ." Now, when that has taken place, what happens? It is no longer I who live. We need to explain this because sometimes we believe based on this scripture that then there is nothing that I'm responsible for. It's no longer I that lives. We expect that the moment we are crucified and the divine nature comes in, then. We are absolved of every other thing. And Christ is now the one doing everything. No. It's not like that. In Galatians chapter 5, I believe, verse 25, the Bible says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What? There are two things there. If you are living in the Spirit, that's passive. You are living in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is what? Active. So he said, if you indeed passively live in the Spirit... Then let us, let us see by the activity of your life that you are walking in the, you are walking according to how the Spirit of God would walk. Today we have many people who are walking by a Spirit, but absolutely not the Spirit of God. Number one, the Spirit of God is not deceptive. Number two, the Spirit of God cannot tell you to commit a crime. It's not possible. The Spirit of God does not commit fornication. Does not engage in the works of the flesh. We looked at that extensively in Galatians chapter 5, from 16 through to 25. When you are crucified with Christ, it is no longer you. living. means that Christ, everything you are doing, you are doing on the basis of what Christ would do. In those days, when we were younger believers, there was this something we called them, is it WWJD? What would Jesus do? People used to ask, ask if you are in a situation, ask, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That is... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who is now living in me. It doesn't mean that you will be possessed, that you will not know what you are doing. You will be aware of what you are doing. But, because it now says, and the life which I now live, do you see that he's living that life? I live how? By faith in the Son of God. How do I live by faith in the Son of God? By trusting him. By depending on him, by relying on him. In other words, before I take a step, Lord, what are you saying? I can no longer live anyhow. Before I took my own decisions, before I wanted to do something, I went ahead, worked out a few things, sorted it out, and I went ahead and did it. But now that I've been crucified with Christ, I can no longer do such a thing. My every move is tied to Christ, the word of Christ, the very life of Christ. Which is why we said at the beginning that we ought to grill ourselves in the Gospels. How did Christ deal with certain issues? He says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, when we talk of this living by faith in the Son of God, we're going to see just a few things. What it, what it portends for us. Because if I'm living by faith in the Son of God, if I'm living by faith, that my, my faith is in Christ Jesus. Like I said earlier, it means that my entire being is led and guided by who? By Christ. By his word. So, the Bible is no longer just a book for me to be playing with. It is actually a manual, as it were, that teaches me and tells me what to do. And directs me. I have the spirit of God, who is my paraclete. Who, if I'm going to bear off course, because again, remember the Bible tells us in First John chapter 4... It says, test every spirit. Because there are all kinds of spirits these days that is telling us to do all kinds of crazy things. And we say it is the spirit. I remember once I was pastoring the, a, 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 another church. And there was this prayer warrior. I didn't know the lady. But some people later came and told me that, ah, Sir, you need to talk to this sister. She's having revelations that do not agree with the word of God. And she's believing it. So I called the lady and I spoke with her. I said, so sister, what's the... She said that she has this, that every time she has these dreams, that she has dreams, and they always come to pass. So I said, share a bit of them. So she shared a little bit of them. Obviously, they were off track. They had nothing to do with God. So I said to her, I said, my sister, I'm going to pray a prayer with, I'm going to pray a prayer for you now. And I want to trust God that this whole thing will vanish after today. And we prayed for her, said, Father, please, from now on, let her no longer hear that voice that is speaking and claiming to be you. Henceforth, let her hear only your voice and no other voice. And we asked her to go. A few weeks later, we called her and said, Sister, how is it? And she said, she no longer has those dreams. I said, good, now focus on, your, on the word of God and begin to grow. In so many people are saying all kinds of things and saying that the Spirit told them. So what does it mean when we say I'm no longer crucified with Christ? And that, uh, it's no longer I that lives, having been crucified with Christ. What do we mean by that? In John chapter 10 verse 30, the Lord Jesus said, I and my Father are one. What does that mean? Does it mean that the the two of them merge into one? They are two different identities. So what is this unity we are talking about? Oneness of purpose. Oneness of mind. Christ cannot, uh, sorry, the Father cannot say, we are going to Joss. And Christ say, no, it's Pambébuach we are going to. It can't work out that way. We are going to Joss, we are going to Joss. So that If you are living by faith in the Son of God, what does that mean? Based on what I just said now, what does that mean? Yes, but what does that mean? If he says just, what do you do? If you you see you cannot have you no longer have your own idea about things. In chapter fourteen, I'll read from verse nine through to fourteen. This was after Philip has asked the Lord, to show them the Father. He said, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. In verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? If we are living by faith in the Son of God, it is still I who is living, right? But if you have seen Christ, you have seen me. Whatever Christ is doing, that's what I'm doing. Do you understand that? Let's continue to read. Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does what? The works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What is the Lord Jesus saying here? If you believe him, what's another word for believing? Trust, dependency, reliability, faith. Now, many of us believe. Remember James chapter 2 verse 19. What does it say? He says, you believe in one God, you do well. Demons also believe and they tremble. Do you see the difference between the way that man who said he believed in one God, conducted himself, and the demons? Who truly had faith? The demons. How do we know that? Because they trembled. Then we have believers who claim to believe in God. No trembling. No fear. No concern. Nothing moves them. They don't believe in God. It's a mere head believing. There's no conviction in their hearts. I believe I've told that story as an illustration before of a man who wields, whether, I can't remember, a bunch of things on a wheelbarrow, on a tightrope from the Canadian end or so to the American end of this big uh, Grand Canyon, or something of that sort. And when it got to the American end, they applauded him, they clapped, and the man asked, do you believe that, if I were to put a human being inside this barrel, I can wheel him back. They all shouted, yes, yes, yes. So he called one man to come and sit inside. The man said, mm, it's enough. Go on your own. Do you see the difference? Many of us have a belief that is resident only in the head. It has never left the head. It is not in the heart. And so it is not effectual. Which is what the Lord Jesus is saying here. He's saying that because I and my Father are one, Whatever the Father is doing, that's what I'm doing. And then he now says, if you believe in me, the works that I do, what will happen? You will do greater works. Why? Because I go to my Father. What does that really mean? He's going to the Father and you're doing greater works. What does it mean? Because now Christ is no longer himself. He is now in the spirit realm. And remember he had said, I will come and dwell in you. How? By his spirit. So now you have the residue of the Spirit of God in you, which is how he is living through you. So if indeed you have faith in him, if indeed you are living by faith in the Son of God, the reality is, whatever he has done, you will do also. And whatever he wants you to do, you will be able to do it. Miracles. The reason, the biggest challenge for believers is this issue of you want to walk a miracle. You want to pray for the sick. That's why he brought in the matter of prayer. He said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Who is doing it? It is Christ. Because you and he are now one, united in purpose, you are not going to, you are not praying for that fellow because you want your fame to be known. You are praying for that fellow because your father says, pray for the fellow. I want to heal him. That is the essence. And so it happens. The easiest thing, let me explain this to us. The easiest thing is miracles. It's easier than studying the Bible. Because it is simply what God is doing. And you are repeating it. Let me give you an illustration. There was a football match I wanted to watch. I didn't get to watch it because there was no light. But by the time uh, we had electricity, the match was over. And I knew the score line. Now there was light. I began to watch the football match. They scored a goal against my side. But I knew that at the end of the day, my side equalized. Right? Now, when they scored that goal, should I have been worried? Why shouldn't I have been worried? I already knew it. Do you understand? Now, if I had watched it live, I would be worried. Living by faith is watching a football match that has been played and that you know the score line. And that football match, you won. So, even if, the, even if the enemy loaded your net with 10 goals, you know that the, in the end, when this match ends, what will happen? It will be 11, 10. Do you understand? So, one thing that faith does is that it gives you confidence. You already know the answer before you see the question. By the time the question comes, you can answer it. Which is why, when you are going to walk a miracle, you already know the miracle is going to be walked. Let me use an example of something that happened to my wife some time back. Some years ago, she traveled to the UK. And we have this uh, daughter who lives in Manchester. So she had told her that, Ah, Mommy, please come and minister in our church and so on and so forth. So she, was, she went. Along the way, God began to prepare her for the ministration. And gave her some specific, showed her some things about some people who will come. And the conditions and so on and so forth. By the time she finished the message... She now remembered what she was shown. And what she did was to give the, the call of that thing. And the people were out there. Now, of course, everyone said, oh, woman of God, woman of God. But was she the one who dreamt it? Yes. God told her. Do you understand? So to want to take that glory for herself would have been the most foolish thing to do. When God wants to walk you, he will tell you, this is what I want done. Go ahead and do that way. When God, in the same way, when God wants to speak to us, for the person who has been crucified with Christ, who is no longer the I living, but Christ living in him, he receives the message from God and speaks it. Do you understand? The impact is there. Now, does it mean that because God is the one speaking, that it will not be rejected? People will accept, will accept. Those who will reject, will reject. But the result will show whether it was God speaking or not. Verse 20 of John fourteen. The Lord just says, At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. At what day? At what day is this now? At the day of rapture. It will be clear. You will know. You know you see now the Bible says that we, we know in parts. We prophesy in parts. not but that day it will become clear. You will see the union between Christ the Father and you the union you know, between Christ the Father and the church. In fact, he prayed that prayer in John 17 verse 21. In, let me take it from verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This was an upfront prayer concerning as many as will believe. Not that word. Who will what? Believe that they all may be one as you, father are in me and i in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that the world rather may believe that you sent why is the world not believing that christ that um, god sent christ whose fault is it is the fault of the church because we don't look anything like christ there's too much selfishness each one focuses on his own thing the level of selfishness in the body is amazing, to say the least. And yet, we want to see miracles. We want to see signs. We want to see wonders. We want to see changes in our lives. That we are not in agreement with God. We have our own ideas. We have our own notion on how things should be done. And want to see. we actually honestly want to see things happen. We are going to look at a few more scriptures as we go along. And you will begin to see... Where we are making our mistakes. Remember, our focus here is essentially living out the life that Christ has put in us. Or, put differently, allowing Christ to live His life through us. In Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, this is living by faith in the Son of God. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Let's pause. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The word trust and the word lean are the same thing. So trust is to depend on someone. To lean on someone. So it says, trust God. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your understanding. But trust God. The the level of cunningness and craftiness in the body of Christ... I mean, we, we can't even begin to talk about it. Everybody has one trick or the other, and everything is for their own advantage. So what have those people done? They've leaned on their own understanding. They've not trusted the Lord. If you are to live by faith in the Son of God, that is, allow Christ to live His life through you, then you must trust, you must be trusting in God. At the Transfiguration, when Christ met with Elijah and Moses, what was it they told him? They came to discuss his death on the cross. To tell him that it is in Jerusalem that is going to happen. The next time you are on your way is to the cross. Did he trust in the Father? Absolutely. If we trust God and God says to you, you are going on a trip, put your house in order because you are not coming back to this house. Then you run to the pastor. Pastor pray for me. I had a dream and uh, he told me that I have died. And then the pastor, who doesn't know anything, will just pick up, Church, let's pray. You shall not die. You shall leave. And then we begin to quote, how was his name? Hezekiah prayed. And in our, in our focus on ourselves, we fail to, uh, to realize that Hezekiah was given how many more years? Fifteen more years, right? And that the next, the person who took over from Hezekiah was Manasseh. Manasseh was how old when he became king? Twelve. So when was Manasseh born? In the fifteen additional years, Manasseh became the most wicked king that, that Judah ever had. He was later to repent. But on the strength of the wickedness of Manasseh, God pronounced judgment on Judah that they were definitely going into exile. But the Manasseh who caused it humbled himself, repented, and found salvation with God. However, the idolatry had been settled. The judgment of God had been pronounced. Manasseh went on his own, went peacefully to God, but the nation went into exile. A lot of us don't see, see. We see the fact that God answered that prayer. And turned it around. We don't see the fact that God was trying to reveal to us that had Hezekiah quietly gone, another child of His would have been the one who would have, you know, um, uh, taken over, and things would have been better for him. So trust in the Lord with all your, not a portion of your heart. Some of us trust in God with the, what's the word now? With the, with the challenges of our heart. But not with the victories that we already have. What do I mean by that? I'm enjoying some victory in business. Lord, remove your hand from that. We know how to deal with that one. But uh, I'm facing challenges of paying my debts here. So I'm trusting God to pay the debts. But Lord, remove your hand from this. No, this business, don't worry, is covered. Do you, do you understand that? With all your heart. There's no section of your heart that should be, uh, what do you call it now? A no-go area. If indeed you are crucified with Christ, all your entire life is open to God. In verse 6 it says, In all your ways, in your business ways, in your marital ways, in your occupational ways, or your career, or your vocational ways, in your travel ways, in whatever ways, acknowledge him. And he shall what? Direct. He shall what? Direct your path. This is how we work with God by faith. We trust Him, He tells us what to do, and we go ahead and do it. The result is not the issue. The figuring out doesn't feature. It is what did God say you should do? Go and do exactly what He said you should do, or you run into trouble. And remember, God does not change. God cannot tell you, sit down. That when you get to church, sit in front. Then suddenly you get to church because you saw one person's face hard. You start advising. The Spirit of God just told me that I should ignore that front, I sit at the back. You think God did not know that somebody with a strong face is here? And you don't know why He said it is is in the front. You don't even know why. So there are a lot of things that we do and we cannot be successful because our trust is not in God but in something else. Our hearts. We trust our hearts, we trust what we see. And yet the Bible says we do not walk by we walk by faith, not by sight. I think that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Is it chapter 5 verse 7? We don't walk by what we see. There's this song. I'm not moved by what I see. Hallelujah. I'm only moved by the word of God. Let's sing it. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by the word of God. Hallelujah. Too many times we are moved by what we see. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. When you are Walking or living by faith in the Son of God, one of the key resources at your disposal is prayer. You pray on everything. Everything. And we are going to show an example of that it's pretty soon. You pray on every single thing. Not only on your food. You wake up in the morning. Lord, I have an appointment today. As I'm going, go with me. In that prayer, you could hear God say to you, sit down. Don't go anywhere. I know for many of us that would be very difficult. You sit down and not go anywhere. It's very difficult. We must be on the road. There are many things that we have to learn. For us, it is a new life. And God understands that sometimes it will be difficult. But he cannot understand that it is every day we make the same mistake. Be anxious for nothing. But in how many things? By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God is now going to come and guard your hearts. And cause anxiety to flee. Can I say this to us? The moment you start feeling palpitations in your heart doubt or uncertainties in your heart, is a time to go and pray. That's not time to take any decision. That's not, that's not time to do anything. Because those palpitations by themselves have put a, a tremor or fright or fear in you. Whatever decision you are taking at that point in time is, is underscored by that fear. It's not by the word of God. So you must banish that fear by prayer. Prayer becomes a major resource. Prayer is not something that we do because we woke up in the morning. No. Prayer becomes a major resource to, 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 to tune your mind to the mind of God. So you had a dream. You woke up from the dream. What do you do? You don't call the pastor. You don't call a brother. Or call a sister and say, I had this dream. Go and pray. But what I've always told people is, number one, when you have a dream, Lord, are you the one that gave me the dream? No. It ends. There's no need to pray again. I and mean, at least on that matter, Please, let's discuss something else. I, I thought it was you. I wanted to find out. But it's not you. Let's forget it. Can we discuss the day? The matter has ended. I don't even remember the dream again. To bring it to memory is to say that God gave it to you. But you now go to God. Lord, I had this dream yesterday. I you say, yes, I gave. Ah. Now you know that the discussion has entered the realm. So, Lord, what was the... I didn't understand the dream. And the Lord will tell you, he will tell you what the dream was about. God does not give you a dream and expect you to figure it out, no, he will tell you. He will tell you, if you will ask. The problem is we don't ask. So we sit down and we begin to ask questions. If you see many people in a dream, what does that mean? If you see a sea in a dream, what does it mean? Do you know what God is showing you? You don't know. So suddenly you want somebody to give you the indicators of a dream. There are people who have written books on dreams and the meanings of certain things when you see in a dream. Are they the ones that gave the dream? Do they know what it means? I saw I saw myself eating carrots. And when I was eating the carrot, the whole of my head was was like somebody who is suffering. So what are you saying now? You are suffering. That's all you are are suffering. You you have given yourself a wrong answer. Do you know what God is saying? Go and ask the one who gave you the dream. First of all, find out, is it God that gave you the dream? If the answer is no, fashy the thing. It doesn't exist. If the answer is yes, Lord, what? Sit down there until He gives you an answer of peace. Sometimes you will not get the answer you are looking for, but there's a peace in your heart. You get up, say, "Well, it means don't worry, God is going to take care of this thing." Because sometimes when God tells you what it is about, you will now use your own hand to want to do it. Meanwhile, you can't do anything about it. Do you know that if we employ the weapon of prayer or the resource—let me use it—the resource of prayer, our fights will be minimal. You will know where to go, where not to go, when to go, when not to go, what to be doing. You would know. I remember when I broke up from working and said I was going to do full-time. People were asking me, so where are you going to do your full-time Which ministry? I said, there's no ministry. God just told me that it is time to leave and I've left. But then because of the pressure, I began to wrap my head. Okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that. I tried to put a magazine together within a within a month or two. I even went to have discussions on how to print the magazine. There was an agreement. All I was waiting for was the money. And then all I needed to do was now print out the photocopy ready, uh, uh, camera ready copies. The day I went to the computer to print out the camera ready copies, I heard distinctly the Spirit of God say to me, if you print that thing out, that's all I heard. If you print it out, I said, so what should I do? He said, delete it. I had worked for two months on two editions. I had negotiated funds, 60,000 era at that time. All the fellow wanted to see was a camera ready copy. He was going to sign the check. And Ruthie told me that delete it. And I deleted it from the computer. He said, no, 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 no. Go to the what they call that box. Go to the recycle bin and trash it out of the recycle bin. If you know the pain that was in my heart that day, that I, I, I trashed it out. When I finished, I said, Lord, so what do we do next? He said, now let's start Bible study. Instead of having Bible study. Thank God for what he did in my life at that time. My ability to study the word started from there. I woke up in the morning, Bible study. When I'm tired, kneel down, pray, sleep, Get up, Bible study again. Sleep, pray. That was, that was my routine. Wake up in the morning, read the Bible, pray, sleep. Get up again, read the Bible, pray, sleep. Morning, afternoon, evening. Sometimes I wake up, the Spirit of God will say, we are fasting today. You yeah, have the reason that you will get one hour, one one year's notice of fast. I was being told I'm fasting. In, as I wake up that morning, we are fasting today. I said, okay, I was living with a friend. His wife would have prepared food. The thing almost became fights i prepared food that we agreed, said to herself, from now on. When you prepare food for me, you come, you prepare breakfast, you come around 11 o'clock, you see that the food is still there, leave it covered, put it inside the fridge. If you are preparing lunch, you see the food in the fridge, don't prepare my lunch. You see it in the evening, don't prepare. You see it for 10 days, leave it there. The day you come to the fridge and you see that the food is no longer there, that it has been eaten, start preparing food for me. That was how we solved the problem. So, I woke up in the morning, the Lord said to me, we're fasting today. And I was never told when it will end. It just starts fast. Sometimes I'm told from the beginning it's a dry fast. Sometimes I'm told you break a six. But most times I was never told that you're breaking as six. It was usually it's a dry fast. So it's, it's gone. So there was no you couldn't plan that fast. Today I know that God was just training me on how to walk by faith. One day somebody gave me some money, and while I was thinking of what to do with money, the spirit said to me, the spirit of God said to me, take. Sister and so amount of money and go and give Sister So-and-so. This I'm talking of a very wealthy woman whose husband was a very wealthy man. He's a very wealthy man. I was to take two thousand naira to her. Ah, I couldn't understand that. So I put the money together. The first thing the next day in the morning, I got dressed, went straight to her place. When I went to see her, when she said, Ah, Pastor, what are you doing here? Was I was a pastor there. Pastor, what are you doing here? Ah. Ah, Oh, what can we do? He said, nothing, nothing. I just came to see you. He said, hey, okay, come to the office now. And, and I gave her and I said, God said I should give you this. 2,000 Naira, this woman knelt down and began to tell God, Lord, I'm sorry. He told me, he said, do I know that last night I was telling God that he doesn't like me, that he doesn't give me anything. He's allowing me to depend on my husband too much. The time she was saying to God that God didn't like her was the time God was saying to me, fifty thousand Naira. The the level of rebellion in our hearts does not allow us to do the work that God wants them. Philippians 4, 8 to 9. We now move to 8 to 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything worthy, or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. When this nature is in you, if you are going to live as God wants you to live, these are the things your heart should have. The Bible says to be pure all things are I said this before and I'm going to say it again. If you like, eh, have a strong face. Be angry at me. You are just angry. I know. In my heart, I think pure thoughts towards you. You are just going to injure yourself. So I don't I don't I don't hold anybody, nothing. I just think pure thoughts. If you like, abuse me from now to tomorrow. That's your business. My thoughts, the thoughts that I have towards you, they are pure. I don't even intend to harm you. One bit. Verse 9. And I want you to read, I want you to look at this as Jesus Christ speaking to you. This is not Paul writing now. This is the Spirit of God speaking the words of Christ to you. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, that is in me Christ, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. What are the things you should do? The things that Christ did. The things that you've learned that Christ did. The things you read in the Gospels that Christ did. Those are the things you should do. Don't copy the world. Don't follow what they are doing. Find out what did the Lord Jesus do on this account. He will speak by his spirit to you. Isaiah chapter 11. From verse 1 to verse 5. Let's see how the spirit of God tells us these things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. From verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness. He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. He's speaking about the Lord Jesus here, about the ministry of the Lord Jesus and how the Spirit of God will rest upon the Lord Jesus. And it gives us the sevenfold spirit. The spirit of the Lord. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord. They will rest upon the Lord. If you have been crucified with Christ. And Christ is living his life through you. This sevenfold spirit will rest upon you. And what will happen? Your delight will be in the fear of the Lord. You will not judge by the sight of your eyes. nor decide by the hearing of your ears. Many people think that decisions to be taken by a child of God are taken based on emotions. So some of us, we come to church with a frown. Nobody's looking at you. At least not me. I won't look at your face. I'm not going to judge by what? By sight. I'm not going to judge by what you are telling me. I'm going to judge by what God is saying to me about it. each you It's not about your smile or your frown or how you are shaking your shoulder. It's, it's, it doesn't move me. By the grace of God, I try to shield myself from what people say and how people behave and how people look. Because if you are to act based on what you are seeing of people, you will do what is wrong. Now, let's go to John chapter 5. We will see this in the life of Christ, which is what he wants to transmit into our lives. John chapter 5. First, let's start with verse 17. He says, But Jesus answered them, My father has been walking until now, and I have been walking. He's, he's saying something. As God is walking, As I see my father walking, that is the same walk that I am doing on earth. I see my father doing a walk in heaven, and then I come and do it here on earth. Moses was shown the tabernacle in heaven. Is that not so? Then when he came on the earth, God told him who to choose. That He was going to pour. God said He was going to pour His spirit into those people, and they built that tabernacle on the earth. And when Moses came to inspect the tabernacle, what did he say? He said, "This is exactly what I saw in heaven." Moses didn't. Nobody saw what Moses saw. What is God trying to tell us by that? He's trying to tell us that, look, if you allow my spirit to do his work in you, what I want done in heaven, or what I want done and I've shown in heaven, you will, you will manifest it on the earth. Your life can mirror Christ here on earth if you will submit to the dealing of his spirit. In verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. I told you the example of my wife when she travelled to Manchester and what God has shown her and what God told her to do. Just do it. When you get to church today, I want you to share from chapter so and so, uh, this book chapter so and so, verse so and so. After you have shared for five, don't go more than five minutes. Make an altar call, and you you see the result. Read the scripture. You share for five minutes. You make the altar call. You'll see the result. The people who are there don't need any long sermon. They will come out. I see what my father does and I do in like manner. In verse 19, sorry, verse 30. John 5 verse 30. Again, it says, I can of myself do nothing as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will. But the will of the father who sent me. I'm, I'm doing a work. The work that I'm doing is what I saw my father do. I can of myself do nothing. When I when I when I'm praying or I get into the heavenly realm, my father shows me what he wants me to do, shows me the work that he's doing now. So when I come to the earth, I do it. You remember when he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. We don't have all the picture, but I want to believe that his father told him, There's a madman on the other side. You need to deliver him. So he said, Let's go to the other side. Now, Satan Maybe having understanding, there was a, a, a strong wind that came up. And what happened? They were bailing water and bailing water. And God daughter said, why well, you, you know, you have little faith. Peace be still. And it was still. And as soon as he said that, the boat landed on the other side. And they met the madman of Gadara. And the fellow was, was killed. He saw what his father was doing. When he went into that temple, which is what John chapter 5 was about. And he met the man who had been ill for 38 years. Had been in that case for 38 years. You know, he just walked up to him. Do you want to be here?" And the man was there saying, well, I have no man. said, pick, pick your mat and go. There was power in that word. And he picked his mat and he went and it was easy. This is what we are talking about. This is doing the work of God. You cannot do the work of God if the life of Christ is not lived through you. If you want to do it on your own, it's not the work of God. You are doing your work, not the work of God. If it is the work of God, it is done by God through you. He gives you directions. He shows you what he wants to do. And then he says to you, go and do it. Mark chapter 1. We see an example of prayer as a resource. A lot of people had come to meet the Lord Jesus the night before. And he had healed all of them. Now, let's take it from Mark chapter 1 from 35. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. You can see that he went to an isolated place where nobody, they had to be searching before they could find him out. In verse 7 it says, when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Remember, he had healed a lot of people the night before. So, obviously so many people had gathered to receive fresh healing that new day. What did he say in verse 38? That he said to them, let us go into the next town, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come, I am sure that in that morning meeting, the father father must have told him, we are going to the next town. So it didn't matter how many people were gathered in Peter's house, waiting to be healed. What was he doing? Going to the next town to preach. You see, we we put upon ourselves an expectation that God did not put on us. We say, but there are so many people there. They need you to come and minister so that they can be healed. And God said to you, I say, we are going to some other place. What do you tell them? Sorry, not today. Another time. I'm going to this other that place. That's it. How did he know it? In prayer. In communion. Even I am guilty to an extent. We need to spend time, quality time, praying. Spending time with God. Two hours, three hours, four hours. It's not all the three, four hours that you're going to spend talking, 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 talking. No. The three, four hours is spent in communion. In fellowship. You're studying the word. You're discussing some things with God. You wake up. I don't know how you want to do it. But Sometimes I just get up in the morning and I go and sit down quietly. And review the day, the day before. Sit down, you talk to the Lord, commune with Him, discuss with Him, and by the time you are through, He will tell you, give you directions what to do that day. Sometimes, it's, it's even something you're not even discussing. Anything. The Lord comes to share with you something you did not even discuss with Him at all. He might just say to you, there's a particular meeting. That you are planning to go to. Don't attend that meeting. You see, what has happened is that we have turned the pastor into a soothsayer, into a seer. He's the one who will see for you not to go to a meeting. Why should the pastor? Don't you have a relationship with God? You have a relationship with God. So he will tell you, why must you come to church? And say, Pro- prophesy, prophet, prophesy. What is, what is all that for? And that's when the man says that if you want, if you want me to really prophesy from the bottom of my heart, you have to do something that will make my heart to be sweet. Then you go and bring something and say, no, 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 that, 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 that cannot make my heart sweet at all. I've been looking, there's this car that I'm trying to buy. It will make my heart sweet and I will prophesy. I will, I will vomit all that is in my heart for you. And all that is in his heart for you is not of God. Prayer becomes a resource as you walk with, as you walk with Christ, as you allow his life to flow through you remember you are a branch right in the vine tied with the cords of love bringing forth fruit his life is flowing through you telling you the kind of fruit that you should that that you ought to be producing patience sometimes what god wants to do god has told you this thing is a settled matter but he doesn't tell you when it matter will be settled for 11 months you have been fretting 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 what is god doing for you there is producing the fruit of patience or long suffering You have to wait. Because it has been spoken, you have to wait. And each time you go to God in prayer, God will say, wait. Or it has been done. So what do you do? Just wait. Just suffer long. Just keep waiting. It has been done. It has been done. There's nothing you can do. Now each time you move in to do something on your own, what happens? You scatter it. John chapter 7 verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, my teachings, but His who sent me. So the teachings of Christ, whose words are they really? The Word of God. Look at verse 17. It's very crucial. If anyone wills to do His will. What other word can we use for the first wills there? If anybody is, if anyone is willing or if anyone wants to do, The will, or if anyone is ready to do the will of God, he shall know concerning the doctrine or teaching whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. How do we know whether a doctrine is of God or not? How do we know? From what we've said. Based on what we said now. Eh? No, you are not doing the will of God now. No. How do I know? How do I know? (laughs) How do I know that a teaching is of God? No. No. Based on what we have said. If I am willing, no. Hmm? No. No. Uh If I am willing to do the will of God. The teaching itself may not be the will of God. But if I am willing to do the will of God. God will tell me. It is my will. It is not my will. Do you understand? So how do I know. A a false teaching. Am I willing to do the will of God? Mm -mm. Am I willing to do the will of God? (laughs)
1: Let
0: me take the question again. How do I know. That a teaching is the will of God. No. Based on what we have said. I'm talking of based on this. I'm not talking of every other thing. Those other things you have said, they are correct. I'm not saying they are wrong. But based on what, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So how do I know if a teaching is from God? When I'm willing to do his will... Wait, let me take a question. These are questions you should bring next week, oh. But let me take it now. How do I how do I know His will? How do I know the will of God? The Bible told us, and we said it we said it um, last week. Romans chapter twelve verse two. Put it up, please. Romans chapter twelve verse two. What does it say? And we said the word conform is to be fashioned along the line of the world. The word "transform" is to be transfigured, to be changed in the theme of fashion, to the fashion of Christ. By what? The renewing. But we said the word renew is not renovate, but exchange. By a change of your mind. The mind must be changed. Only then can you know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And... Exactly, has a renewed mind. The, the, he, he himself has gone through fire. Let's put it that way. Do you understand? There is no... De- his desire... Do you know what the Lord said initially? Is that, look... I'm not... Let, let's go back to John. John chapter 7 verse 16. John chapter 7 verse 16. He, start, he started by saying, My doctrine is not mine, but He is who sent me. Hmm? Now, in... um. Where was it now? I think it was in John 5 that he mentioned that the reason. Let's let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse um, I think it's 19. No, not 19. No. Verse. Let's see, verse 30. Yes, verse 30 says, "I cannot myself do nothing, as I as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because look at the reason." I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The reason why your judgment can be said to be right is because you don't have a special interest in it. The other, I'm, not an, I'm not an interested party to the extent of taking sides. My interest is in God and his will. So that when I pass a judgment... It is the right judgment. Because it is what God says. I I don't look at your face and say, Oh, it is my wife. Because it is my wife. If I do that, then my judgment is wrong. Because my judgment is emotional. but we look at the principle. Do, Do you understand that? In arriving at whatever conclusions we arrive at. So, the issue here is, if you want to do the will of God, you will know. Whether what is coming out of this pulpit is of God or not of God. You will know whether what you are hearing on radio is of God or not of God. If you want to do the will of God. But if you want to do your will. Number one, you will not know. Number two, you will swallow the wrong doctrine book line. If I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Then my entire desire is to do the will of God. Remember when Christ came. He himself said it. As it is written of me in the volume of the books. To do thy will O Lord. That is why I came. Sacrifice and offerings you did not delight in. You didn't have pleasure in those things. All you were interested in is who is going to do my will. And so I came as is written of me in the volume of the books, to do your will, O Lord. And that is why God can begin to speak to you about secret things. Because in your heart, you desire to do his will. You are not here because you like Brother Abraham. If that is why you are here, I, I honestly, let me give you good advice. You need to go and pray. If that was the reason, but you are in the right place, say, Lord, flush that reason out of me. You must be here because God said, stay. You don't have to like me, but you must love me. What does that mean? Remember I showed you the meaning of love last week. I love someone because it is my nature to love. Not because he is a good person to love. Love puts a burden on the one loving, not on the one being loved. So you can be misbehaving. I have no choice but to love you. It is my desire to love you because it is God's will for me to love you. And because my desire is to do the will of him that has sent me, I will be able to love him. But if in me it is hatred, and not to do the will of the father, I will hate him. I may smile. I may be deceptive. But in my heart, I know that I don't love this person. I cannot act out of love. I will only act out of emotion. What did he do? He, 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 he greeted me. Okay. Because he greeted me, I will do that thing for him. If he didn't greet me, he would have sinned. you like, don't greet what has to be done has to be done. By doing that, I am being my father. Do you understand? The father said, I want you to be perfect as your father is. Don't repay evil for evil. Repay good for evil. He causes the rain to fall on the farm of the good and on the evil. May the Lord help us. Amen. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 23, the Bible makes a profound statement. We read it here last week. But I don't think we emphasized it enough. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to whatever. Your prayer is unto who? God. Not for men. Your preaching is unto who? Unto the Lord. I do it because God said preach. I don't do it because the people like the preaching. Man is so fickle. The man who loves your preaching today because what you said, agreed a little bit with him. Tomorrow, when you say something does not agree with, we'll stone you. The same people who said, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Were the same people who less than seven days after said, Crucify him. Cruc- His blood be on our heads. The same human beings. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. If we all function in this manner, we don't need to do me any favors. Neither do I need to do you any favors. I'm not under compulsion to do anything for anybody. As I hear, I join. Do you understand? The day God says, bless that brother with one thousand naira. I don't expect that brother to consider that my giving him one thousand naira means that he's my slave forever. If he's to say thank you to me, that's okay, that's good manners. But his real thanksgiving should be to who? To God. Not to me. So in living the life of Christ, or having Christ live his life through us, you discover one thing. Each one of us have the life of Christ. You know there's no deception. You cannot deceive one another anymore. I love each one because of Christ in me and Christ in them. Even those who don't have Christ in them, I love them. Now, when we now gather a church together where the love of God is in each individual, it's a wonderful place. No lying, no deception, no playing pranks, no mistrust, distrust. In 2 Corinthians, chapter five. Verse 15 and 20. We, we, you see, there, there are things to be done. There's a work that is to be done. For that work to be done, you better be seeing what God is showing you. You better be hearing what God is saying to you. That way you can do the work of God. Whatever that work is. And because in your heart there's a desire to do the will of God, you see everything coming together and you are pleasing to God. Now, in Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15, the Bible says, and he died. Christ died for all. That those who live. Should live no longer for themselves. Is that in your Bible? There is no room for selfishness. You cannot say Christ is living in you. Or that you have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. But Christ is living in you. And the life you are living. is, is you, you live by faith in the Son of God. And all your motives are selfish. Let me use some cunning, let me tell you some cunning ways that some of you use to assuage your consciences that your selfish acts are not selfish. Say, Pastor, if that deal works through, you know the church will benefit from it. Let the church not benefit from it. The question is not, should you do the deal? The question is, did God ask you to do it? Is God so impoverished that you are the one that he needs to bring that poxy money to the church? I know, there's something wrong, somewhere. Something is wrong somewhere. It cannot be. So you should no longer, you should live no longer for yourself. It is no longer I that lives. Who is now living? Christ. When Christ died, he did not die that you continue to live for yourself. He died that you no longer live for yourself. You You cannot choose a job. You cannot decide to resign from a job without him saying resign without him saying apply. You cannot marry a man or marry a girl without him saying marry. You are not marrying him or her because of the curves or the shape or the English or the money or the car or the job or whatever. You are marrying him or her because God said marry. There is a purpose. You may never know that purpose for years to come. It may be at your deathbed or this deathbed of your spouse. That you will know why God brought two of you together. You may never know here on earth; It may be in heaven that you will know why. Ours is to obey. Not to question. The world can make fun of us and say. But that's being dogmatic. Yes. At least I'm being dogmatic to God. He died for all. That those who live. Should live no longer for themselves. But for him. Who did what? Who died for them. And rose again. Who are we living for now? Christ. It is no longer I that live. So, quite frankly, I don't have a private desire. I don't have. Honestly speaking, I don't have. When God told me when we were going to leave Adonavway, we wanted, we were looking for another place around that area. And we had the money to rent. But thank God we asked the Lord. And God said, go to your father's house. Burukiri is not a fantastic place. Who wants to come to Burukiri to do work? But I can. We, we spend that money doing small renovation work. And it just done, it was after we moved in that it dawned on me that, wait a minute, you mean I, don't, I no longer need to think of paying house It was never the, the, the first reason. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? But today I see, the, I, each day I begin to see more and more why we are here. Imagine that I went to rent a place and this recession hits. Where would I get the kind of money to pay rent? Many of us don't understand these things. We look at the outward appearance of things. I am sure if you are honest with yourselves... You will sit down and look back and say, Thank God, God. Thank God I listened to God on this one. There are many times that you have disobeyed God. And you have seen the repercussion. But because you are carnal in your mind, you will blame somebody else. You will up I say, Lord, have mercy on me. Please forgive me. Help me to begin to walk aright with you. You are expected to live for Christ. To live for God. No longer for yourself. All those selfish prayers must end. What's you from saying, Lord... Is there something you want me to pray about? Is there a, a pressing need in your heart that you want me to, to pray about? Verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled with God. The, the, the message says, we are Christ's representatives. We are Christ's representatives. The, the the good news says we are speaking for Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are the alter ego of Christ, if you can use that expression. Pleading with men, be born again. We are not pleading with men, be born again because we want to fill our church. We are not pleading with men, be born again because we want to tally the number and tell people that we spoke to 2,000 people and out of the 2,000 500 gave their life. No, We are Christ's representatives. I I, I studied the Gospels. I realized that not everybody that Christ spoke to was was his disciple. He fed 5,000 men at one time. Is that not so? Not counting women and children. Then he fed 4,000 at another time. Not counting women and children. Then there were the multitudes that he spoke to at at the mount. Is that not so? But by the time the people gathered in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 1. How many were they? 120. What happened to the multitudes? Tell everybody why they born again. So we, we are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are God's, we are Christ's representative here on earth. We are speaking for Christ. We are laboring for Christ. We are working for Christ, not for ourselves. Sometimes as we are laboring, we don't have money. But we keep laboring. We're not laboring because of the money. I remember going to preach somewhere. And they did as much as give me water to drink. Oh, my wife was upset. Now, what, what kind of people are these? They are not the, I told my wife. Because God gave me a scripture before I went there. The laborer is worthy of his wages. They may not consider me worthy of a cup of water. Don't worry. It's God that I'm working. He will take care of me. Leave them alone. Let them keep their money. You don't know what they want me to for. Let them do it. Why should I be angry with them? They, are, they may not even believe in the principle of giving somebody money because he came to preach. I was I was in a hurry to leave the place. They hadn't arranged those things. So why must I why, why must I be water? What I'm trying to say to Ross is if we have a if, if we are pure in our hearts and we are open, we can accept the faults of other people and make excuse for them. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse one to seven. I pray that we are able to conclude this as soon as possible. It will take some time more, but let's see. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. God doesn't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. There were idols who, who you were doing things for in those days. You say you were speaking, you were prophesying, but it was by an idol. You were, you were, doing, you were doing magic. You call it miracle. But it was by an idol. The verse says, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Holy, by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's beginning to give us some measure of people who should be, who we can say this one is performing, uh, walking by the Spirit of God and this one is not walking by the Spirit of God. You cannot be performing the functions and be saying Christ is accursed. How do we say Christ is accursed? By doing things that betray Christ. We are damning him. We are saying he's of no consequence. That's basically what it means. No regard for Christ. How can somebody say that he is speaking by the Spirit of God, he is performing miracles by the Spirit of God, and he has no regard for Christ by the very life he is living? Not so much his speech. Then we don't see the fruit. What is important? This is the very key thing here. Stop telling us that the gift of God is operating in your life when the fruit of God is not manifest in your life. The fruit must precede the gift. If if there is no fruit and there is gift, it's America wonder. It's not the gift of God. It's from an idol. Verse 4. There are diversity of gifts, many gifts, but the same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, the way the ministries work. These gifts operate in every ministry, whether it's teaching, whether it's preaching, whether it's uh, showing mercy or kindness or whatever, these gifts will operate in one of those ministries. But it is the same, but the same Lord that we are serving. is the same Lord we are ministering to. Do you understand? We're not ministering to people, we are ministering to the Lord. The gifts in ministry is to the Lord. It is the Lord who is meeting the needs of the people, not me, not anybody, but the Lord. We must remember who we are. We are branches. We are not the, we are not the vine. We are branches. We are not Christ. We are the heart and hands of Christ. Many people have not seen Christ. They've never read the Bible. But by our conduct, they see Christ. How can we tell you to go and minister to somebody? He said, you are are going to toast the person. Will Christ toast anybody? We tell you to go somewhere. God gives you a job. To a place. Go and manifest Christ there. You go and be stealing money. This Christ steal? Are you an ambassador for Christ? Verse 6. And there are diversities of activities. The things we are doing. There are many things. reaching, sweeping, cleaning, setting up. Different of activities. But it is the same God who works all in. The same God that is working in us. If Christ is not in us, we are going to continue to have problems with the setting up of this thing. It's not expertise. No. It's about the spirit. If, oh I can't remember, I was sharing with somebody. Said if I were, if I were the one operating any of these things. I, if your heart were there, are you telling me that you will not be, you will not sleep and God will show you that? Put the, put the button here. Turn this one. This way. Turn this one. This way. Turn this one. This way. You will get the direction yourself. You come here and you set it up yourself. It's set. Don't touch it again. Leave it. But with, our focus is not there. Do you understand what we're saying here? Your heart is not in serving Christ. Your heart is in serving yourself. Many of us are serving God because we believe that by serving God, God will meet our needs. No, that's not. The, that's the wrong premise for serving God. Your needs are met. Those of you who have children, are you telling me that if your child does not wash plates, he will not pay his school fees? You are duty bound to pay the school fees. The child is duty bound to wash plates. He's not washing plates for anything. He has to wash the plates. And wash it well. And make sure it doesn't break the plates. You serve God. Not because God is going to do something for you. He will do something for you. Whether you serve him or not. But you serve him. Where do we get this rubbish from? That we think we can bribe God. God does what he wants to do. Because he is God. Not because of what you have done. Carry your filthy hands away. Somebody else will do the job. With joy. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. For what? profit of how many? Of all. You are not given a spiritual gift so that you can boast. The gift is to benefit anybody that God wants to meet the need. If God has given you, for example, the gift of healing through the Spirit. And Christ calls you to go and minister... In a crusade. That's ministry right? And as you are ministering in a crusade. God now. Asks you to call people. Who are sick to come forward. The people who are sick now come forward. And minister to them. Are you the one who gave yourself the gift? Was the gift for your own benefit? Whose benefit was the gift for? Praise the Lord. So we must understand these things. There is a work to be done. And in doing this work. The Lord expects us to manifest the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. I want to talk about certain things that will help us to live the life that Christ wants to live through us. 1 Peter chapter 2, from verse 11. I'll take them in, in portions. So let's take 11 to 17 first. Beloved. I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in in the day of visitation. How are you to conduct yourself now? As a stranger. As a pilgrim. If you do not conduct yourself as a pilgrim, that is when you want to build ten houses. That is when your vision is to build a house. Your vision is to buy a car. Do you know of any American embassy staff who was brought in from the US to Nigeria? Whose focus is to buy land in Lekki? Do you know of anyone? Whose vision is to own a house in Nigeria? But he has a house. He has accommodation. They will accommodate him. He will live there. When he leaves, when he finishes, he goes away. Somebody else will take the accommodation. Why don't we take what our father has given us? That's the problem we are having now. Too many people want to live for themselves, not as ambassadors for Christ. If you are going to live as Christ wants you to live, then remember one thing. You are a sojourner. You are a pilgrim. This fleshly lusts. Another word for lust is what? Desires. Strong desires. This worldly or fleshly desires. What do they do? They war against your soul. This pursuit of house. Pursuit of car. Pursuit of uh, one business or the other. Pursuit of money. Is warning against your soul. Check your soul now. Are you growing? No. Your spiritual growth is timing. It's not stopped. Nothing is happening in your life. Because you have chased a desire that is not linked with God. If you are working for God, God will provide you with accommodation. It may not be the best accommodation initially. But it's taking you somewhere. He's actually testing to see who you are. He wants, not that God doesn't know who you are, but you see, when God, is, when God wants to speak to you, about you, he wants it to be clear to you that what he's saying you are is really what you are. So he will do some things, and then you will manifest yourself. Then when he says, do you see who you are, you want to get angry. Over what? I told you when I, when I started this full-time work, I was living with somebody in his house. My friend and colleague, who was my classmate in university. He studied a different course, but we are classmates in university. He accommodated me. Should I be a fool to be, to be proud and arrogant and talk No, i that, that would be an idiot, a complete idiot. In fact, on one occasion, after I spent some years with him and I, and I moved out, I didn't have a place to stay. Another friend of mine in Lagos, who's now living here in Kota Kwa, had a place in his boys' quarters. I moved in there. I had no mattress. I had nothing to sell. I just put paper, newspaper on the ground and I slept. It was another family that I had. Sir Pastor Ray is sleeping in somebody's boys' quarters on newspaper. They came to the house and bundled me out of bed. What are you doing there? So come and live in my house. You gave me a whole place, sleep there. After some time, I said I have to move. I said no, stay, 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 stay. Dead now. Because you don't have, uh, uh, as if we are going, they are going to kill you. Die now. Are there no people living under the bridge? You can be, you man, as well live under the bridge and minister to the bridge boys. Where, 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 do we get these things from? Remember when somebody told the Lord just Christ I'll follow you. What did he say? He said, You see birds that are flying anyhow as if they don't have anywhere. They have nests that they are going to. Foxes that you see at night looking for, they have a hole that they are going to enter. Me, the son of man, the one who made the world. I don't know where I'm going to sleep. Which Bible are we reading? That God can make a way for you. You may you may start small, but God will take you to where he wants to go. Recognize that you're a pilgrim on the earth. Hey, sojourner here. You were sent, even though you were born into the world, you were walking and everything. The moment you became born again, you became a citizen of heaven. In fact, an ambassador for Christ. Representing him here on earth. The day you became born again, whoever you were before died. You became a new man. With a new vision. A new focus. So before you were born again, you wanted to be president. That vision died that day. You now follow the vision of Christ. He will tell you, leave the dead to be president. You. You. Go and preach the gospel. You say no. It's my vision. I wanted to be. That's why some people who say they have churches are now having all kinds of seminar, leadership seminar, that seminar. Did God ask them to do it? No. Is that what Christ is about? I was talking to some young boys earlier today. I said, what? So what? What is your issue really? They said, eh, we need empowerment. Empowerment. I told them, who told you that somebody's coming to empower you? You will empower yourself. You want to sit down somewhere and someone will come and give you money. I asked one boy, I said, if they give you ten thousand dollars what will you do with it? You talk of empowerment. What will you do with it? What is your level of education? Ah, I go school low. I read to five. Did you do school start? No. So what, what do you, I said, do you know that there is a job? I asked them, I said, primary six, what job can you do? They said, menial work. I said, good. You finish from five school start. What job can you do? They said, a little higher than menial. I said, good. What of university? I said, they you. You finish primary six. You didn't do anything. You were going to a church to become CEO of somebody who studied to PhD. So, which God are we talking about? The same God of the Bible? If God wants you to be that CEO, he will arrange for you to go to that school. And even if he's going to do it in a miraculous way, he cannot be as stupid as a lazy man being a CEO. You must have been very, very effective in your cleaning. You are not honest as a cleaner, you don't do your job dutifully, and you want to be CEO, where? Even Joseph that was put in prison, how was Joseph in Potiphar's home? He was hardworking. He was promoted in Potiphar's home, right? When Potiphar's wife made advances to him, he refused and ran. He found himself in prison. When he got to prison, what did he do? He served the two ministers that came to prison. You want to go to prison and sit down and be grumbling. Eh? I didn't do anything wrong with put The people here in prison. Eh? Minister. which to be minister. Not be one of them We put for prison. I better get away from there. And you want to sit on the throne. Where? It was the character of God in Joseph that took him to that throne. Not anything else. You can be a messenger and be a CEO. Only if the character of God is in you and that CEO seat is the will of God for you. Remember, if you want to do the will of God, you will know. The reason why many of us are swallowing wrong teachings is because we don't want to do the will of God. We want our own will to be done. Verse 13. I would, I would ask you to I would skip something and ask you to read at home because we've done it already. But I just want to read this one quickly. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the King as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Why are we submitting to this human authority? For the sake of God. Not because of them. We ought to see these leaders as people that God put there. Whether we like how they got there or not, they are God's representatives. We should, we should do it. We should honor the rules or the laws they've got in place. Why should the wife submit to the husband? Because it is sitting in the law. Why should the husband love the wife? It is expected of God that you love. You know, I mean, simple. Let's not go into all long, long things. You know, if you love your wife, your wife will cook for you. Your wife, that is, we are just talking rubbish. Wives cook for their husbands who don't love them. Husbands love wives who don't submit to them. So it, it, it has nothing to do with it. We do it for the Lord's sake. I do it to glorify God. Verse 5. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I find a very strange thing happening in this country today. Nigerians who don't even know where America is. See them hailing Donald Trump. Hey, 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 That God is the one that gave Trump victory. So, who put Buhari there? Satan. So, quite frankly, now I agree with them. That Satan is in charge of Nigeria. Where they live. But God is in charge of America. Where they don't live, can never even go there. What is wrong with us? God puts anybody he wants to put in place. It has nothing to do with that individual. And let me tell you something. The fact that somebody is made a leader does not mean that he is leading according to God's will. But it could be according to God's purpose and plan. Understand that. He's fulfilling a plan and purpose. What did God say of Pharaoh? He said, I made you strong and powerful that I may show my power in you. You became the I made you the ruler of the world. Strong and powerful. So that the day I deal with you, the world will know that There is one person more powerful than this Pharaoh, And he did it. That was why each time Pharaoh tried to back down, God would prop him up again. he say, no, be stubborn. Please rebel. I want you to rebel. Verse 16. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. We are slaves to God. But we are free men also. And we shouldn't take that as liberty for license and start doing as we like. When we say we are free, we start going to places and shouting and making noise and say, no, nobody can touch me. I'm a child of the living God. Blah, 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 blah. They will slap your face very well and nothing will happen. Verse 17. Honor all people. Is that in the Bible? Honor all people. How come we can't honor people? I've discovered one thing. If you cannot honor a younger person, you cannot honor an older person. If you cannot honor an older person, you cannot honor God. It is a part, It is a matter of your nature. Love the brotherhood. What, what do we mean by the brotherhood here? The brethren, the church. Fear God and do what? Honor the king. Honor your president. You may not like him. Like I said, I may not like you may not like me, but you have to love me. You may not like him, but honor him. For all you care, they may do election again and he may win again if he wants to contest. So, what will you do now? You pack your bag and leave Nigeria. There was a time Sanya Abacha, was head of state in Nigeria. It was a horrible time. But when you sit back and look at it, it was one of the times in Nigeria that Christianity was flooded by people. Sadly, we did not do play our role in the church. We did not spend time teaching them. We were happy to have people in church. But we did not teach them anything. Because they, they were running away from us. Uh, that was when military men started coming to church. Big men started coming to church. Because they said, when Sanabacha invites you to Asso Rock and you go. If he is not happy with your face, that's your end. So before they go and say Abacha, you see them coming to church. Pastor, please, I need prayers. I'm going to see the head of state. Not like now everybody's asking, who knows, Buhari, we want to meet with him. Then, nobody wants to see the head of state. But, again, what was the church doing? The church was busy, happy. Oh, we are, we are grown. We are now 500. You had 100 before. Now you had 400 criminals running away from justice and coming to meet you. And you didn't teach them. The right way. You were happy to have them with you. And you were happy to be praying prayers. The moment San Abacha dies, they all they all vanish from the church. Even those who remain in the church continue to do as they like. Verse eighteen servants be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to who? The harsh. Is that in your Bible? For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief suffering wrongfully we do these things for the sake of God we do this because we live no longer for ourselves but for who? for Christ for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently but when you do good and suffer if you take it patiently this is commendable before God if they beat you because you stole and you say I am taking it patiently how else should should you take it? did you not steal? should they not beat you? You say, I'm taking it patiently. What patiently are you taking? You are taking a punishment you deserve. But if you did not do anything wrong and they beat you and you take it, now you can say you are taking it patiently. For to this you were called. You were called what? To suffer. <laughs> is, that, is there another way of explaining it? For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. What are his Steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Have you seen this? When you have been crucified with Christ, and you are no longer living for yourself, but the life you are now living, it is Christ living in you. And you are living that life by faith in the Son of God. This is, this is Because when Christ was reviled, what happened? So if he's, if he's living his life through you, how should you respond? You should not revile. So when you find yourself reviling, what does that tell you? You say, no, 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 it's not that Christ is not in you. Christ may be in you. It's just that, oh boy, I need to, I need to, I need to practice. I need to do more about my mouth. You go and, this is where the resource of prayer comes in. You now go and pray. Father, I'm sorry, I, re, I revile back. I shouldn't have done that. By the time you pray, 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 God will tell you, go and apologize. Ah! For somebody who did wrong to you, you say apologize. Mm -hmm. Next time, your mouth will not be quick to speak. You say, okay, I'm sorry. Don't be angry. The man can even abuse you more. You say, don't worry. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Next time, when they abuse
0: you, what do you do? You just walk away. Because you have seen the humiliation of going to apologize for something that you had no business even talking about if you have kept your mouth shut. That goes for all husbands and wives, by the way. Then if you go to chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, we read that last week. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by, here, you remember that? Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Spend more time building the inner man, rather than the outward man. All the time we are spending on tying the gaily, making sure the color of the heart matches the color of the shoe. You know, sometimes we, we do it in such a way that the hat matches the shoe, the shirt matches the... the, 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 the blouse matches the skirt, and other things. Say leave all that one alone. Let the heart match the heart of God. That's where your work should be. Because even if you wear cloth anyhow, as long as the heart is matching with the heart of God, God is pleased with you. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Many people have asked, where did she call Lord? Where is he? Is there? Do you know where she called him, Lord? When she was speaking to God. And said, shall my Lord indeed have pleasure again. It's time for wives to call their husbands,
1: Lord. You see
0: that? Do you see what's wrong with your heart? Your hearts are not pure. You think it's me who wants my wife to call me, Lord. (laughs) Calling him, Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. How are you? What makes you a daughter of Sarah now?
1: If you do good
0: and are not afraid with any. Verse seven: Husbands, likewise, dwell with them that is your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. We've mentioned this several times. When they say the woman is the weaker sex or weaker vessel. They are not speaking of the strength of her emotional heart. No, 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 no. They are speaking of her physical strength. Uh That's what they are talking about here. So don't allow your wife to be carrying bag of Gary. You go down and carry the bag of Gary. That's why God gave you muscles. Carry the bag of Gary. Uh That's what he's saying here. Give honor to your wife. Your wife will be, she will go to market and uh People will help her to carry the thing up to a point then you would still be sitting. You see her coming with your round belly in front of the balcony. You are funny yourself. You are funny yourself while she's dragging dragging the bag of rice. You say, hey, you don't come out from market. Welcome, oh. Oh, come quick. I hunger. They won't kill me. Jump out and carry the bag so that your prayers may not be... It's true. Let's be practical on this thing. Abi." Also. And remember, your wife is a joint heir with you on the matters of God. But women also remember one thing. Wives remember one thing. There cannot be two captains on a boat. There can only be one captain. The husband is the head. The wife is a part of that home. A support to the man. I don't know of a support that dictates to the head. A support supports the head. If the head says, uh-uh, don't support me this way, support me like this. Support that way. And if you think your head is making a mistake, what should you do? Do you see where prayer is a resource? It is in this life of the, 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 the Christian life where Christ has been crucified, where, where the flesh has been crucified along with Christ. That is where prayer becomes a major resource. Go and pray. Stop, stop quarreling with your husband over every little thing. Go and pray. Then let me see how that man will sleep and God will not give him a conch on his head. From verse 8 now. Finally, all of you. How many of us? Be of one. Be of the same mind. What mind are we talking of here now? The mind of Christ. Having compassion for one another. That's the mind of Christ. Love as brothers. Be tender hearted. Be courteous. Be courteous. Don't show courtesy only to pastors. Show courtesy to pastors. Why? Show courtesy to your brothers, your sisters. Show courtesy to the junior ones. Verse nine, not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, what should you do? Blessing, knowing that you were called to this. Called to what? That you may inherit a blessing. So you bless God. Uh, do me, I do you. God, no go vex. God, they vex. Well, 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 well. I mean, it's not there for Bible. Let you we know, begin speak P. G. Now. I think you did there. Yeah. I think you don't read them. Do me, a do you. God, they beg so. Well, well. Verse 10. For he who would love life and seek good days. What should he do? Let him refrain his what? tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and do what? Pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their... Do you want God's ears to be open to your prayers? Then do what is right. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Is that, not, is that what I told you? If you appear in your heart, who will harm you? But to the pure, all things are pure. I hold, I hold tightly to that scripture. Plan all your evil. That's, that's the answer to you. Who will harm you? If you become providers of what is good, nobody can harm you. Nobody can harm you. If anybody harms you while you are doing good, know that God is in charge. He's taking you somewhere. Like Joseph to the throne. Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are what? Ble- Have you seen that? You are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your what does that mean? Set God apart. Don't mingle God with all those Gawanyama in your hearts. Kick those things out. Set God alone in your heart. Set Him apart. Set Him as holy. And if He's dwelling there, then no unholy thing should be there. That's what, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With what? Meekness and what? Fear. Yeah. Why are you like this? Ah, bro. <laughs> Let me tell you some reasons. Number one, Christ has saved me. I was an unworthy sinner going to hell when Christ saved me. Henceforth, I live no longer for myself. I live for him. He's the one who said I should be like this. Eh? <laughs> that is how it is. And what I have no regret for self. I'm enjoying it. Have you seen me fight any, anybody since? I've not fought anybody. I'm enjoying it. I've sanctified the Lord in my heart, And I'm comfortable with it. If you want to slap me, go ahead and slap me but. Know that God will do what he will do when he's time. But me, I'm okay. Verse 16. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evil doers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be, will they stop talking evil about you? No! But don't bother. Eventually, somebody will say, ah, ah, bro, sis, you have a problem. Is that the sister you are talking evil of? That's not like that. I sat with her for two hours every day, for the last one month, we have been attending the same course. She's not one bit like what you are saying. She has a kind heart. They are the ones who will be speaking for you. The one you would have been speaking for yourself, somebody will speak for you. But you see, we're not seeing that today. Why? Because we are still holding our lives in our hands. We have not left it in the hands of God. Verse 17. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Is that in the Bible? eh? If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know in this teaching eh, is the will of God. Finally, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Christ suffered so that he can bring us to God. Why should we not suffer to bring other people to God? Do you understand? We suffer. Some, some, sometimes a stubborn husband is brought to his knees because we are willing to suffer. The wife is willing to suffer.
1: A hard-hearted
0: wife is turned into court because the husband is ready to endure the, the suffering and the insults without raising a finger, without talking back, without doing anything. One day, the woman will open her mouth. Those will say, do you know who you are talking? You are talking to a representative of Jesus Christ. It's clear not catching you. They talk to him like this. Okay, from now on, for the next one week, your voice, I see it. I talked to him. One week after one week, my husband, you are a loving husband, you are a wonderful husband. Eh? Father, thank you for the wife you have given to me. She has, has been taught one or two lessons. Matthew chapter five, from thirteen to sixteen. This is this is what if indeed you see many of the things that Christ was saying, we didn't see the link between Christ in us and these things. But they say you are the salt of the earth. Only because you are a representative of Christ. you understand? But if the salt loses its flavor, what has happened to this salt at this point in time now? It has disengaged from Christ. He, he, it is no longer Christ living in him. Who is living in him now? Him. He has taken back his, his control of his, of, of, his, of, his, of his life. How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We can't hide you. So, if we can't hide you, and you are not yet ready, we better not light you. Do you understand? We better not light you, because we can't. once we light you, we can't hide you. So we'd rather not light you, and make sure that you will not disgrace us when we light you, then we, then we now set you on the way to bring light to others, and for others to come with the light. Not do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Signs, miracles, and wonders are the effortless results of our submitting to God and having the life of Christ live through us. Everything that Christ did, we're supposed to do. It is living through us. Everything. And greater works than what he did. Let's conclude. True Christian discipleship, must result in the disciple being able to live the life of Christ Or have the life of Christ lived through him or her. The necessity of the life of Christ lived through us is thus accomplished when we have the divine nature. And through the word of God and the deeds of the Holy Spirit, we can express that nature in our daily lives as we interact with other people. God never intended that we will be isolated from the world. In John 17... 15 and, 16, 15 and 16. The Lord just said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He never prayed that we should be taken out of the world, but that we should be protected in the world. Do you understand? So, let us stop trying to isolate ourselves. That was the mistake of Israel, of all. They tried to isolate themselves. In the in the place of isolation, they were imbibing the idols of other people, of other nations, until finally, God had to send them on to, on exile, uh, into exile. Do you know that people knew more of God when Israel went into exile than when Israel was in their land? Because in exile, Daniel had to show himself, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nehemiah, Ezra, and so many others. It was in exile that they knew God. Two hundred years before Christ came, the then Bible, the Old Testament, the Torah, the Psalms and the Prophets and everything had been translated into Greek by the Greeks. They had known God, but how? By exile. God doesn't want you to go on exile for him to be known. Go and start telling people about God. Show by your lifestyle who God is. And when you have an opportunity to minister to people, minister based on the fact that you are ministering Christ. You are ministering to Christ. It is God's intention. To ensure that the knowledge of him. Spreads throughout the world. Thus the believer in Christ. Who has allowed the Holy Spirit. To transform him or her. Into the image of Christ. Can thus become the heart. And hands of God. In a dark sinful world. Manifesting the goodness. Forgiveness and love of God. To countless numbers of people. All over the world. The Christian is not supposed to be cursing a government, a governor or president. We are to pray for them. There was a, a, a story I read of a man who heard that, he, somebody told him that prayer, that prayer works. And the guy said he doesn't believe it. So they decided to have a debt. $50. So the guy who said prayer works told the guy who said prayer does not work that why don't you take a country in the world and pray for that country consistently for 30 days and let us see what will happen and he began to pray. Every day he picked the nation of Kenya and was praying for Kenya every day. Towards the end of the 30 days, he hadn't finished 30 days though. he was invited to a dinner function. When he got to this dinner function, a lady sat next to him. By the time they introduced them, the lady happened to be a a missionary in Kenya who was doing some work to get some Kenyans rehabilitated, she needed to build a hospital. The guy said when he sat next next to this woman and heard that the woman's work is in Kenya, he said, "I saw fifty dollars flying out of my out of my pocket." But he said, "No problem." That indeed he agreed that prayer works. And what did he do? He told the lady, "That don't worry, I will support this work." He single handedly got round his friends to raise the money to build that hospital in Kenya. When they were going to dedicate the hospital, they flew him. They invited him. He flew down to Kenya for the opening of the hospital. The lady. Announced to the to the people who came, including the president of Kenya, that this is the man who single-handedly raised the money to build this hospital. The president of Kenya said, "No way. This man, I must show you Nairobi." He took the man inside his car, presidential car, to show him Nairobi. And he was showing him this, showing him that, showing him this. Finally, he got to a place. The man just said, the man said to the president, "You didn't tell me what it is." He said, "No, it's a prison house. I keep my I keep all my political enemies in that place." And the man said to the president, Mr. President, the word of God says we should bless our enemies and not curse them. You cannot incarcerate your enemies. You have to set them free. For the sake of Christ, you need to set them free. And the discussion finished. And the man went for six months or uh, two or three months after that meeting. He got a call from state, uh, state, uh, the State Department in the U.S. More like what we call, I don't know how, we, we don't have the equivalent in Nigeria here. would have said Foreign Affairs Ministry. But it's more than the Foreign Affairs Ministry. State Department called him and said, are you so and so He said, yes. Were you in Kenya so-and-so time? He said, yes. Did you have a meeting, a discussion with the Kenyan president? He said, yes. He said, what did you tell him? He said, what? He said, we've been trying to release political prisoners for years. The man did not, the man refused. The man released them last month and said that he met with an American, mentioned your name, and that you told him something. What did you tell him? He said, I told him that it is wrong. To incarcerate your enemies, he said, "No, you couldn't have said that." (laughs) We have told him more than what. What do you think was working there? He was a representative of Christ. Is it any wonder that Kenya has all the attention? That a Kenyan born was America's president. One man prayed for 30 days for a nation called Kenya. Do we pray for our country? No. We just open to social media. That's when you. They will say something evil about Nigeria and put a name, Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't. He doesn't have time to be talking about Nigeria. Wicked human beings. And when you check them, they are Christians. Just because you don't like the, the man who is the president. When your brother was the president, a Christian, look at all the thefts that we heard of. But no, we hate this country. We will talk against the country. Why can't we pray for Nigeria and see things happen? But no, we will not. We would rather come to church and pray for our business. For 10 hours we want to pray for our business. Pray for your country. The Bible says, pray for the peace of the country where you are. If that country has peace, you will have peace. How do you want to isolate your own business? In a country that does not have peace, in a corrupt country, you will enter that same corruption. But when you pray for your country, and you want corruption removed from your country, you cannot be a partaker of it in any shape or form. May the Lord help us. And this is where the act becomes significant. Do you see how the man's act was significant now? He he used the resource of prayer, and God began to, and as God was leading him, and taking him into one place or the other, he continued to elevate the name of Christ. Christian discipleship is thus not an academic discipline, culminating and terminating in a certificate. Rather, it is the channel or means through which the nature of Christ is worked in the disciple, which then allows God, through the Holy Spirit, to manifest His grace upon all of mankind as disciples interact with them, working miracles where necessary, preaching where it is needed. And teaching as is appropriate. Luke chapter 4. From verse 18. Or from verse 16 rather. To 21. This was, this was the Lord Jesus. So he came to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up. And as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book. He found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your head. And I say to you today. Today. This same scripture is fulfilled in my heart. The gospel is to be preached to the poor. Heal the sick. Deliver those who are who are demon possessed. Don't turn, don't, don't possess them yourself. Set them free. Let them be free indeed. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Allow Christ to set them free. You are not the one who will set them free. Suddenly you you you, you now become the one who is the deliverer. You, you must come next week. We have to pray another special prayer next week. Then, two, two weeks from now, when you are coming, you bring palm oil, you bring pepper, and you make sure that you bring uh, ground um, uh, tomatoes. Who does not know that that man wants to cook stew? Then, two weeks from now, he says, the, 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 the mani water that is holy is very strong. When you are coming, bring croaker. Very strong, big croaker. At least three or four. He He's telling you that I, I did not have fish in that stew. That he and this time around, come again with ground tomatoes and pepper. Make sure that you put onions and olive oil. Don't go and buy your oil in the market. Make sure it is pure virgin olive oil. He wants to cook. You are now his new ticket and you don't know you. Every time you are going, you say you are doing deliverance. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38, the Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. That was what Christ was doing. That's what he expects us to do. Now that we are representing, now that he is in us, what should we be doing? Going about Doing good. Healing all that are prayers of the devil. God is with you. Then what are we doing? Going about gossiping. Going about telling lies. Going about being deceitful. Going about coming up with plans that don't go anywhere. And causing more and more people to enter into more and more bondage. Hence, the Lord Jesus of And I'm quoting John chapter 9 verse 4 to 5. The Amplified Version. We, if you read the King James, it says, I... But I looked at all the translations, they all said we. So he wasn't really talking about himself. He was saying, those of us who are children of God, said, we must walk work the works of him who sent me and be busy with his business while it is daylight. Night is coming on when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. You are the light of the world. There's work to be done. Many things that we are running after are unnecessary. I'm telling you the truth. When you are doing what God wants you to do, God is taking care of your needs. Not your wants, not your desires, not your extravagant desires. But everything you need. If what you need is a meal, you will get a meal that day. Tomorrow you get a meal. You may not have a pantry that is full, but are you hungry? You'll be fed. You can't starve. The Bible says, even in a famine, the righteous does not have any lack. Don't we read the Bible? Then we allow some men to come and tell us abundance in recession. If you want abundance in recession, you have to sow. They don't have. So they ask you to sow. So that they can have that. God will give you. I have told them, okay, you, the way you, you go and sow in the ministry, let God also give you. Do the work of God and God will meet you at the point of need. Brethren, there is work to be done. But it can only be acceptably done when we have been properly discipled and can practically Demonstrate the divine nature in our daily interaction with other people. Without being enticed by the law of sin and the world. Or offended by the entrapment of Satan's wives. Remember I told you the story of two brothers that were prayer warriors together. They were praying together. Prayer partners. And the day Satan wanted to deal scatter them. What did he do? He allowed the proud one to be promoted. And retained... The, um, what's the one now? No, that one's not humble. The one with envy. it made him to remain where he was. So out of envy, he was envying his prayer partner that was not promoted. The prayer partner was proud. Because those things were not removed, Satan used it against them. And that was the end of the prayer meeting. Do you know how many of you have left churches? Because you will not deal with the flesh in it. You will blame every other people but yourself. Then you get away and you go to this church. It's the same thing. You are, you are the same person now. You haven't changed. The churches are not going to change for you. That is why you will continue to have the problems anywhere you go. It doesn't matter anywhere you go to. You will still have it. So the sooner you allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in you, the better. Indeed, before the acts, there must first be a becoming like Christ, and before the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there must first be the producing of the fruit of the Spirit. May the Lord help us. Amen. Amen. So I want us to bow our heads. Time is faster. Just bow your head and talk to the Lord. It is no longer that liveth but Christ that liveth in me. It is no longer that liveth But Christ that liveth in me,
1: in me, in me, Jesus is alive in me, it is no
0: longer I that liveth but Christ. That liveth in me. Go ahead and talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. It's no longer I. It's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Father, help me. Help me to represent you well. Help me not. Help me not to put your name to shame. Help me, Lord, not to allow your name to be blasphemed amongst the Gentiles. Help me, Father, to live as a sojourner on the earth. A pilgrim. That I might abstain from fleshly loss That war against my soul. Father, help me. Brethren, pray. Pray to the Lord. Many of us need to start with repentance. But let's talk to God. Father, I'm sorry I've been behaving this way. Let Christ be formed in me, Lord. I no longer want to live for myself. Help me to live for you. Help me to find joy in serving you. Help me to serve you appropriately. Knowing that you have my back. Knowing that you will take care of me. As you have promised in your word To meet me at the very point of me. The needs of my soul. For righteousness. The needs of my soul. For forgiveness. Help me Lord. Haven't received such. To be able to dispense. To others that I meet. Whether they are brothers. Or they are unbelievers. Help me to dispense your love, your forgiveness, your goodness, your kindness, your mercy to the people I meet. Let me show them who you are by my lifestyle. Let them see the God that I serve firsthand, hand so that they can come to you. In the quietness of their heart, they can be drawn to you in true repentance. Father, help me. The life that I'm living now, I don't like it. I've been living on my own. Thinking that I can I can make things work on my own. But Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to come to you. To seek after you. To serve you. To do your will, O oh Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Father. Meet me at the point of me. Brethren, the Bible says, Sanctify the Lord in your heart. It is time to pack out every tenant that you put in that heart that is sharing room with God. That is sharing space with God. Pack it out of your, of your, pack it out of that heart. It has no place in that place. It has no place. Get it out of your life. Out. All those desires for self-aggrandizement, out. All those desires for fame, out. All those desires to be what God has not called you to be, out. Every tree that my Father has not planted, out of my life in the name of Jesus. We serve Christ and Christ alone. We serve the only living God. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Blessed be your name. In Jesus name. Let's turn to our kids. We are supreme. I am serving a living God. I am serving a living God. I am serving a living God. Every day. I am serving a living God. But I am serving a living
1: God. I am serving a living God every day. I am serving a living God. I am serving a living God. I am serving a living God every day.